0: It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: America continues to limp toward tyranny. You have a case that is open and shut that a lawyer tried to pass information onto the Federal Bureau of Investigation with the knowledge of Hillary Clinton. They leaked it to the media and triggered the entire Russia collusion investigation that dragged this country down for two and a half years, but served the purpose of the Democrats and the media and the other Marxist reprobates. And as I explained the other week, the case was in front of a jury that was not objective. Three donors to the Clinton campaign and others, even the judge, his wife an active Democrat. So let me be the first to use the phrase, what you saw today was jury nullification. 2016, Sussman walks into the FBI, into the general counsel, and uh, there were limits placed on the prosecution. The prosecutors couldn't show more about how the false claim was all set in motion. So the judge limited what the prosecution could do. The jury had individuals that were Clinton, Hillary Clinton supporters. The testimony from her former campaign chairman that she gave the okay to leak the information to the media, which was assumed by many of us, but was sworn to under oath, was remarkable. I don't know how much better evidence you need than a lawyer charging the Clinton campaign for his visit to and time speaking to the FBI, in this case the general counsel, about the very subject that is the subject of the criminal litigation. What else do you need? What else do you need? And yet he's found innocent. Until and unless these cases somehow can get out of Washington, D.C., whether it's the January 6 cases and people accused of trespassing and parading on the Capitol grounds, and I'm not talking about violent individuals, or individuals waved into the building. Violent individuals, violent on any circumstances, or doing damage, should be charged. Less, of course, your anti for Black Lives Matter in the summer of twenty twenty. That's a whole other story. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, you and I had a hunch, more than a hunch. That Durham couldn't win this case, no matter how strong it was, in Washington, D.C., with that judge and that jury. And he didn't. It's not because the case wasn't sound. It's not because the case wasn't overwhelming. It was. It's because the jurors are all, if not mostly Democrats, and so was the judge. Jury nullification. Judicial nullification. It's a big deal. You uh, you see the Supreme Court now, the investigator for the Supreme Court has asked all the law clerks and perhaps others for their telephones and their telephone records, their cell phones. I suspect what you'll find is that some of these individuals have leaked to the media and their Democrat friends. Have leaked to the media and their Democrat friends, and not just in this one instance. We'll see how many of them object to having their phones taken by their employer. And then we have the January 6th committee which is day in and day out violating the United States Constitution. Working with the Department of Justice in the end, certainly. And here's a piece by a radical left rag called Salon by Chauncey DeVega. Excuse me, Chauncey. Chauncey. Does Chauncey wear a bow tie? Let's see where, um, that doesn't matter. Merrick Garland, quote, fears no person, says legal scholar Norm Eisen, whoever the hell that is. And he's coming for Trump. And Politico reported earlier today uh, that Peter, Peter Navarra has said that he has now been summoned in front of a grand jury. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? Like other forms of fascism, authoritarianism, and reactionary politics, Donald Trump's so-called movement is a symptom of deeper problems in society, not the cause. Trumpism is not a boil that can be lanced, thereby ending the infection. It's more like a tumor growing from the bones, ladies and gentlemen. This is a radical left neo-Marxist operation, in my view. But nonetheless, it's not exactly true that the Republican Party was conquered or taken over by the Trump movement. As many observers still perceive it, the seeds of Trumpism were planted in Republican soil decades ago and founded a hospitable environment. It's more accurate to perceive Trumpism as the next evolutionary, more properly devolutionary stage of the Republican Party and the overall conservative movement. It's where right wing politics were going in America, whether leading conservatives understood that or not. To discuss the current state of the Trump movement, America's efforts to defeat it, I recently reached out to Norman Eisen, a senior fellow in governance at the radical left, he doesn't say it, I do, Brookings Institution. He served as special counsel to the House Judiciary Committee during Donald Trump's first impeachment. Wow! As the author of the new book, Overcoming Trumpery, How to Restore Ethics, the Rule of Law and Democracy. That's right. Turn to the Democrats, they'll show you how to do it. He calls Trumpery a combination of disdain for ethical restrictions, assault on the rule of law, incessant falsehood and disinformation, the shameless pursuit of personal and political interest. Not the public interest, the exploitation and exacerbation of political division and attacks on democracy itself. He also discusses why the Republican Party is so enthusiastically mated with Trumpism and its quest for autocratic and near dictatorial power and control over American government and society. These people are sick. They are unhinged. They are Unbalanced. Toward the end of this conversation, Eisen counsel's patience with Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Justice Department suggesting that the upcoming House committee hearings on the events of January 6th will be crucial in holding Donald Trump and his cabal accountable for their obvious or likely crimes against democracy. Now, these two head cases, in truth, are predicting something that I predicted and I'm concerned about. And that is that Merrick Garland, who went after the parents of this country, and still is, who went after Republican legislatures with whom he disagrees, and that was the only reason he did it, who abused his use of the Voting Rights Act to try and help the Democrats on redistricting, who is an extraordinary hack who sat on his hands for days as certain Supreme Court justices with whom he disagreed had their homes and lives threatened, despite the fact a federal statute compelled him to take action. And to my knowledge, nobody, hello, nobody's been charged with any crimes as a result of violating that clear federal statute. But committee members have been leaking and have been on the record, including Dizzy Lizzy, including Adam Schiffless, including Raskin the Red, and the rest of the reprobates. Then in essence, this is a criminal pursuit, thereby confessing to the unconstitutionality and illegal and illegality. Illegality, I actually can't say it, of their pursuits. Because no committee of Congress has the authority to commit resources or to conduct a criminal investigation. And now they say they're going to share their transcripts with the criminal division. They always were, ladies and gentlemen. As I've told you before, they circumvented the constitutional protections in criminal matters. And criminal statutory protections that individuals have when they think or know they might be threatened by federal investigation or charges. But in this case, this committee camouflaged its true purposes at first, and now it's out of the closet. That it needed to secure the Capitol building. But that was always a ruse, as I explained to you. Because not once did they call the wife of the drunk, Nancy Pelosi, to testify. Not once did they ask the wife of the drunk. For her texts? Not once did they ask the wife of the drunk for her emails. Not once did they ask to speak to her staff and her inner circle. Did they? Not once. Nancy, a couple of questions. Nancy. What did you do to prepare for January 6th? Seems like an. Fair question. Nancy. Better yet, Eva. Were you asked if you would like some National Guardsmen to assist in protecting the Capitol building? Nancy. Better yet, Eva. What did you do to muscle up the Capitol Police? Nancy. Better yet, Eva. What did you do to call in the Metropolitan Police? What did you do 24 hours before, 48 hours before, a week before January 6th? What did you do during January 6th, the day after January 6th, the day after the day after January 6th? May we have your phone records? No, okay. Well, we'll go around your back and get them from your cell company without informing you. We will subpoena those records. We will find out. As a matter of fact, Nancy, you don't have to give us anything just a committee of Congress trying to figure out how to legislate. And I hope the Republicans take the brass knuckles to these people, politically of course. And so now we know, it's underscored, there is a grand jury. And the purpose of this grand jury, ladies and gentlemen, let me be abundantly clear to you, is an effort by the opposition party which populates the upper levels of the United States Department of Justice, which has been gunning for Donald Trump from day one, the Department of Justice and the FBI. The purpose is to try and cobble together some far-flung theory on indicting former President Trump. Mark...
0: Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, we call him Paul Pelosi, was arrested and charged with driving under the influence after being involved in a collision Saturday night. Law enforcement officials said Paul Pelosi, 82, was arrested at 1144 p.m. Pacific time and charged with driving under the influence DUI and driving with a blood alcohol content of 0.08% or higher. According to the Napa County Criminal Justice Network's public booking report, both charges are misdemeanors. TMZ, the first to report it. Kind of wonder how they get on top of these things. They're pretty quick. Pelosi was attempting to cross SR-29 when his 2021 Porsche which clearly was not electric, was hit by a 2014 Jeep traveling northbound on the road, according to a collision report from the Highway Patrol, which doesn't identify either driver as being at fault in the crash. Troopers were called to the scene just before 10.30 p.m., the report said. There were no injuries reported in the crash, and the Jeep's driver was not arrested. CNN has reached out to the Highway Patrol Napa County Sheriff's Office for additional details. Bail was set as $5,000 according to the booking report, so he was taken in. And records indicate Pelosi was released Sunday morning, so he was taken in, and he was kept in holding through the night until the next morning. So he must have been drunk big time, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, the Speaker will not be commenting on this private matter, which occurred while she was on the East Coast. That, doesn't that sound like she's throwing her husband under the under the bus, Mr. Reducer? Uh, hey, I wasn't involved. That big dummy, he did it. A statement from Drew Hamill, Pelosi's spokes idiot. CNN reached out for an updated statement after the collision report was released. The speaker was in Rhode Island on Sunday to speak at Brown University's commencement ceremony. It's where all the Democrats are, speaking at commencement ceremonies. Paul Pelosi, a native of San Francisco, has been married to Nancy Pelosi since 1963. They have five children. Now, sadly, we learned more about him and his drive. What is it about Democrats and driving, by the way? I'm just curious. And this is quite sad, actually. New York Post, it's also in the Daily Mail, Nancy Pelosi's husband, that would be Paul Pelosi, this is the New York Post, killed his older brother in 1957 sports car crash report. Nancy Pelosi's husband, again, this is what it says, killed his older brother when he flipped the sports car in California 65 years before he was arrested over the weekend and charged with drunk driving newspaper clipping show. Paul Pelosi was 16 when he crashed his car near San Mateo in the early hours of February 22, 1957. The Daily Mail reported, citing a local news report from the time, His brother, David Pelosi, 19, was likely strangled by a neck brace he'd been wearing due to previous neck fracture, according to the San Francisco Examiner Report. Paul, who suffered a broken collarbone in the wreck, called for help after breaking free from his car. Highway Patrolman Thomas Gainley told the local outlet at the time that Paul said his older brother had urged him to slow down in the moments before the crash. This is a bad stretch. Better slow down, David is said to have told his brother. Paul told authorities he tried to shift gears and slow down but lost control of his vehicle. The local report said, Quote, the car veered across the road, bounced back from a small embankment, climbed 20 feet up another, spun around, and somersaulted simultaneously, and ended upside down on the shoulder with both youths underneath. Jeez. The older brother was pronounced dead. He'd been out on a joyride at the time after Paul had picked up David from a girlfriend's house, according to the report. And the patrolman said he planned to cite Paul for misdemeanor manslaughter, but the case never made it to court. The then teen was exonerated by a coroner's jury. Details of the fatal wreck emerged in the wake of Paul's arrest following his alleged drunken crash in Napa Valley this Saturday. Paul, now 82, was driving home alone from a dinner party when he crashed, as lawyer told Fox News. His lawyer said Paul had stopped at an intersection before turning on the State Route 29 when his 2021 Porsche, quote, was hit on the back fender by a Jeep, unquote. It was released on $5,000 bail. And that's where that is. I sit here and I think to myself, what do I make of the coverage of this? For the most part, the corrupt media circling the wagons trying to protect the Pelosi's. They're going to give out certain facts that are obvious from the police report and the local news report. They can't ignore that. But they're not going to look into the two, look into their marriage, write some gossip about it, get involved in it. You know, you won't see the Huffington Post and Slate and Salon and the pages of the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, and instead we get Newsweek. I didn't even know it still existed, but it's a a barely existing website. A barely existing website. And it attacked conservatives for posting tweets, including, of course, me. So it's our fault. Now, this is the same media, excuse me, these are the same media that brutalize the Trumps at any chance they get. They report lies about the Trumps, the most horrendous lies about Donald Trump, not worried about the Russians targeting our soldiers, a lie, Russia collusion, a lie, and just on and on and on. And today, of course, in court, we had jury nullification or an attorney who had billed his client the hillary clinton campaign for the key meeting in which he tried to pass false information to to trigger a, a an investigation of trump and the trump campaign and then they would leak it to the media which hillary nodded to do that whole incredibly dirty trick found not guilty Not guilty, in a city that voted 92% for Biden. This is where the nation's capital is, in that city, and this is why you can't get honest justice in a city like that, when it was portrayed as Trump versus Clinton, and also the judge in this case, who used to work with a defendant in the Justice Department years back, was quite friendly with him, as I understand didn't recuse himself. And three jurors had been donors to the Clinton campaign, and one juror had been a donor to AOC's campaign. And another juror, I believe, had a daughter, although a year or two younger, who played in the same athletics team, athletic team, as the defendant's daughter. Now, no court should conduct itself this way. But it doesn't matter. And so what's going to happen to Paul? He'll get slapped on the wrist. They're not going to put him in prison and keep him there as if he's parading or trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I didn't say break into or do violence. Parading or trespassing on the grass. Sussman's off. Paul Pelosi, the big dummy, he'll get slapped on the hand but not true of so many others. And he got no less than one, two, three, four investigations of Donald Trump. Criminal investigations. And in my view, that includes this January 6th committee, violating the Constitution and separation of powers. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait for an appellate court or even the Supreme Court one day to deal with this. But it needs to be dealt with that this committee of Congress has been a rogue committee conducting a criminal investigation, even has former federal prosecutors and two former U.S. attorneys, apparently, on the staff, which tells you all you need to know. What does that have to do with a legislative purpose? Mark
0: Levin.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.
0: You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I want to thank our
1: greedy and meaty corporations. Big media. Big corrupt media. For conducting and participating in and promoting a rational, mature, thoughtful discussion about mass shootings. Without facts, without data, without truth, I want to thank them very much over at The View, the Yentas over there, stupid as always. I want to thank them for their contribution. I want to thank all the hosts, the reprobates over at MSLSD and their parent company, NBC, and their parent company, Comcast. You're doing a hell of a job. And then, of course, there's the constipated news network, where they all look constipated. I want to congratulate them on their fantastic discussion of this issue. I want to thank the repubes on Capitol Hill, the rhinos, led by the chief rhino, Mitch McConnell, followed by John Cornyn and their ilk. They're discussing basically gun control with the Democrats. It's bipartisan, which means the Republicans are going to cave. I want to thank them for their genius. And the Democrats, who should thank them more than I? Six gun control votes that they're putting up, none of which would have prevented Uvalde and the attack there. Good job over there, you ideological morons. Excellent job. Can't thank you enough. And then, of course, there's the dummy-in-chief Joe, excuse me, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. With the hair standing up on his legs. Joe's no Harry Truman. The buck doesn't stop with Joe. No. Nothing stops with Joe. He's as dumb as they get. And he's been fantastic. He put together a group of people to look at everything involved in these mess. Mash- oh, he didn't. He's not even participating in the discussions. We demand gun control. First of all, it's just the AR-15. Oh, is that the only rifle out there? Oh. Then it's 9mm pistols. That is guns. The most popular handgun in the country. The same party that lets recidivist, Violent criminals out the back door, if they even get in the front door with their fantastic Soros prosecutors. They want to be in charge of what you can and cannot own because they know how to protect the American people. That's why they're skyrocketing crimes in every major Democrat run city in the United States of America. Every single one. So let's turn to them. They have some of the most. Repressive gun laws, not in the country on the planet. And they're doing a fantastic job of prosecuting not only murders, but those who violate those gun laws. Oh, you mean they're not? That's right. They're not. This is why this stuff doesn't get solved. I saw one program today on my favorite network, and I won't get into specifics. Where one of the people was just saying, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. Are these two parties going to come together? Just pass something. Now, that's the old spirit. Just pass something. Just pass something. Please, pass something. For the Democrats, totalitarianism is the coin of the realm. What does that mean? We have a virus. They want to steal your liberty. They want to close down churches. They want to keep abortion clinics open they want to close down small businesses while keeping large international global corporations wide open because they get so much support from them and then we see the pelosis what a fantastic couple nancy and paul nancy everything shut down in the fantastic city of san francisco and she wants to get her hair done. She wants to get her hair done. Without a mask. Please do tell. And uh, then her husband. The drunk. The drunk. DUI. 82 years old, a DUI. With all due respect, who the hell has a DUI at the age of 82? Have you ever heard of anybody else, Mr. Baduza? I'm just curious. He's loaded. Not just with booze, kink in an Uber. I mean, given his past, the really horrific thing that happened with him and his brother, wouldn't you think he'd use his noggin if the guy's driving around in a Porsche? Not an electric vehicle. Excuse me. Not in an electric vehicle. They've got a fence and a wall around their winery, but no fence and wall to protect us on the southern border. What a wonderful couple, the Pelosi's. Disgusting. Disgusting. America can do better. I would hope. I would think. But what a fantastic bunch of politicians and media we have in this country that are tearing us to pieces because they're lying bastards. They're hypocrites up and down the chain. The Republicans stand for almost nothing. In the Senate anyway, at least in the House, they're running on something. It's unbelievable. And then Joe Biden's complaining about his staff. They keep correcting me. Well, why don't you fire their asses, you jerk? What the hell's wrong with you? Oh. He, the Biden. The Manchurian candidate. Then we have the Attorney General of the United States. He intends to prosecute all crime, all crime that he claims will benefit him and his party and the administration. Only Republicans commit crimes. Only Republicans have ever trespassed and paraded on the Capitol grounds. That's right. That's right. Only Republicans. Forget about the riots that took place when Donald Trump was being inaugurated. Forget about the riots that took place when the Republican National Committee held its convention on the White House grounds. Remember all that? Rand Paul was assaulted. Remember all that? Oh, no big deal. Supreme Court primary initial decision is leaked. They had to put up the riot fence because the Democrats are violent. And all the judges... Remember the judges? They said we need more prison to throw all these right. Oh, they didn't? Oh, yes, yes. All those judges in Washington, D.C., they are tough. Oh, my goodness. Crime is through the roof in Washington, D.C. Murder, rioting, violence, non mask wearers. Oh, we got to get those. Throw them in. Bail reform. What does that mean, bail reform? It means no bail. It means letting people out in the front, out the back. Defunding the police, slashing their budgets, writing BLM initials all over town. Oh, that's so cool. They ripped off their donors. Where's the Department of Justice? Is it investigating them? Is it prosecuting them? I hear crickets. I see cockroaches at the Department of Justice, but I hear crickets. Oh, and you know Donald Trump was interfering with an election. Oh, my God. Now, the Democrats didn't interfere in 2000. No. Not what they did in Florida. Not what the Supreme Court of Florida did. No, 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 no. You don't understand. The hanging chads, the chads, the poke. They didn't poke. They did poke. The endless litigation. Oh, and then... Then there was a meeting in the Capitol building as required by the Constitution and the federal statute, and there they are objecting that George W. Bush is an illegitimate president. Anybody hold a hearing on Democrats? No. Because they're not violent. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, no. Not the Democrats. Then... Donald Trump wins the election fair and square in 2016. The Democrats are caught off guard. They swear that's never going to happen again. So they change the voting systems in one state after another, especially the battleground states. Look, we have the virus. We need drop boxes. Excuse me? Drop box. People can't be expected to vote in person. Drop boxes. And so their lawyers are spread out. Slip-and-fall lawyer after slip-and-fall lawyer. Ambulance-chasing law firm after ambulance-chasing law firm. They, they play the governors who are in their party. They play the courts that are elected in many cases in the states that are in their party. They all work together. Can you prove it, Mark? Absolutely. Especially in Pennsylvania and states like that. And I have, day after day. Day after day. Russia collusion. Russia collusion. Michael Sussman found innocent by a jury of his peers. Truly a jury of his peers. Three of them had donated to the Clinton campaign, which he represented. One of them donated to AOC. The judge was an old buddy of his from Justice Department days. Another juror's daughter played on the same athletic team as the defendant. And the judge in the case, so narrowed the case, made it very difficult for the prosecution in a city that voted 92% for Joe Biden against Donald Trump. Yes. A jury of Mr. Sussman's peers and political think-alikes. What do you expect, ladies and gentlemen? Justice? justice? Can you imagine a jury? 92% Republicans? A city? 92% Republican? Should we have all of our federal trials in Idaho? What do you think? In Utah? The most Republican areas of the country? Should we do that? Especially when especially when we're We're charging Democrats. Don't you think that would be a great idea? You think you'd hear any complaints about that? I think you might. But don't worry. The Attorney General has a grand jury working because he wants to indict Donald Trump. His party wants him to indict Donald Trump. His media want him to indict Donald Trump. His children want him to indict Donald Trump. And yet he's got the, the memory of Robert Mueller. Have you heard this Attorney General speak, Mr. Beducer? Another one. Another one. And you parents out there, you've got to know your place. Just because the NEA and the AFT are teaching your children to lop off their penises, why is that a problem? We're not binary here we all kinds of things here. Or to add one? Yes, yes. You're just a bigot. You don't understand. Just because they're teaching your children to hate if they're one race. And if you're another race, to accept the hate. What's your problem, parents? And just because they're putting out books in the libraries on the sex trade... So your children at least they'll have a profession. At least they'll have a profession. It's a profession. It's what the book said. Some people like it. What's the problem? And so what if your kid's nine years old? You must be a bigot or a white supremacist. Welcome to the United States of the Democrat Party.
0: Mark Lovin. great one makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: One year ago today, a gallon of regular gasoline on average throughout the country was $3.04. Today, it's $4.71. It went up $0.04 in one day. I predict within seven days, it's going to hit $5 a gallon on average. For regular, not premium, not diesel, they're way higher. For regular, the lowest level of gasoline. In California today, the average price for regular gasoline is $6.21. The Democrats want to turn us into California, where they control everything by super majorities, because they chased out the Republicans. But we're told there's good news. OPEC will increase production by 50%, at least for a period of time. But absolutely nothing to improve domestic production. Nothing. The foot is still on the throat of domestic oil energy production. And so, inflation will continue to rise. Prices will continue to rise. The value of your paycheck, your pension, Social Security will continue to decrease. Your savings that you've worked so hard for will continue to be devalued. Interest rates are going to go significantly higher. That's what happens when you create inflation. Government creates inflation government created inflation. And I won't bore you with another rendition of what I said 14 months ago, almost to the day. And inflation and energy prices go hand in hand. It's not because of Russia. We never imported much oil from Russia. And 18 months ago, we were energy independent. We didn't have to import any oil from anybody. Now we have to beg the Saudis, other monarchies, to try and help bail us out, but they're not going to be able to bail us out. What happened to the supply chain? How are they going to get the oil to the United States? And those pipelines that were to be built, what happened to those? And the drilling that was to take place in Anwar in Alaska, what happened to that? What happened to all those, those leases, those 9,000 leases, and the ones that, that look promising... Where are the permits that the Interior Department, BLM, is supposed to issue? They're slow walking them. Instead, what we get are lawsuits and the Securities and Exchange Commission violating its statutes, using power it doesn't have, to insist that when these companies are audited, when the federal government examines these audits, that they have to demonstrate that they support equity and social engineering and other Marxist agendas. It's amazing, isn't it? And while we're at it, all these things going on in this country, so thoroughly destructive, so thoroughly destructive, the Biden administration will pull meal funding for schools that don't comply with its LGBT agenda, writes the Washington Free Beacon. These little kids, especially those that can't afford lunches, they and their parents in these school districts are now being blackmailed. You either promote the sexual policies that are supported by the Democrat Party, or we're going to cut. Billions of dollars from the federal funding for the school lunch program. Would that be tolerated if a Republican did that? Would it be tolerated if Donald Trump did that? Are we going to hear from Joe (laughs) Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, are we going to hear about the fascist Joe Biden? No, we're not. U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrition Service announced it will prevent low-income students from participating in its national school lunch program if their public school does not adopt the administration's interpretation of Title IX, which holds that the federal civil rights law's provision against discrimination based on sex includes designations of sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, obviously, when it was passed... Title IX, I think it was 1971 or so. uh, It did not include gender designations or orientation or self-identity. The move was originally reported by the Center Square. A spokeswoman for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said the Biden administration's decision to withhold food from disadvantaged children in order to advantage a deranged political agenda was appalling. We will not allow Biden to force Floridians to choose between children's food and parents' rights, DeSantis Press Secretary Christina Pushaw told the Washington Free Beacon. That is the kind of decision that a totalitarian regime would force upon its citizenry. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem told the Free Beacon her state will take legal action. You know, Kristi Noem has come under attack by some of the on the right, not by me. And there have been vicious rumors about her. She went to the National Rifle Association event last week, as did President Trump. She didn't bail out. I haven't seen many of her detractors write about that for some reason. Noam said Joe Biden is threatening to take away children's school lunch money to pursue his radical agenda. He's targeting states like ours that make it clear biological men do not belong in girls' bathrooms and sports. If you act on this, Joe, we'll see you in court and we will win. Critics of the administration's decision said it could unnecessarily harm disadvantaged students. I haven't heard the lobby for disadvantaged students. I haven't heard the so-called civil rights activists. I haven't heard the NEA and the AFT. I haven't heard the National School Boards Association or the National superintendents associate. I haven't heard any of them complain. Have you? Christian K-12 schools that participate in the school lunch program can apply for a religious exemption, but public and non-religious private schools must follow the new rules or lose their funding. The new rules. Why don't they just hand out the Democrat Party's platform and tell the public schools, you must... You must indoctrinate these kids about our platform. Otherwise, we're going to cut off federal funding. Right? All people should be treated with dignity and respect, but it's wrong for the federal government to take away free meals from economically disadvantaged students if their schools do not embrace radical gender ideology, Greg Bale. Let's cut to the chase. What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. Democrat school systems, Democrat cities, Democrat counties, Democrat towns are already doing this. They're already advancing this agenda. We already know it from the parents' rights movement. This is aimed at Republican communities, Republican towns, Republican counties, that will not advance the most radical elements of the Democrat Party agenda, And so, what is Biden doing? What is his regime doing? What does it always do? It uses the power of the purse to coerce, to impose, to enshrine. And it is insisting that elected school boards that reject this agenda of sexualizing children, that if you don't embrace it, that the poorest among your students Will not receive lunch. Remember how they said if you ever shut down the government, that'll include the school lunch program? You see how vicious and vile and cancerous and poisonous these people are and their ideology. The announcement builds on Joe Biden's day one executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the base of gender identity or sexual orientation, which permits transgender students to use male or female bathrooms and play sports with either sex. Biden's executive order drew on the Supreme Court's ruling in Bostock versus Clayton County, which altered the meaning of sex in Title VII to include sexual orientation and gender identity. And I hate to tell you folks this. One of the prime advocates of this on the Supreme Court was none other than who Mr. Call Screener, who Mr. Producer? Gorsuch. Gorsuch. The Biden administration will also force schools that receive funds to investigate accusations of sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination. Students at colleges and universities who reject the Biden administration's definition of sex could also lose their federal student aid. Isn't this amazing? This is how they roll. Right over everything you may believe in. It's not a matter of free speech, different views, non-discrimination. It's a matter of compelling you. Compelling you to comply with their ideology. This is why you're being punished at the gas pump. Their ideology rejects fossil fuels, so the price is rising. This is why you're punished when you go to buy meat. Their ideology rejects, really, the eating of meat, the production of meat. Too much methane from the cows. How many times have you heard this from the no-growth phony climate change movement? You will be forced to comply... And you will pay a price, even criminally, potentially. Remember, Meritless Garland's hanging there like a dark cloud over every school board meeting. What a disgrace that man is. I thought you'd want to know. Here we are in a recession, massive inflation, it's going to get much worse. Even Democrat economists from prior administrations are acknowledging it. And the Biden administration so far has canceled $25 billion in student loans, money that is supposed to go to we, the taxpayers, via the federal government, and added another $5.8 billion today. In fact, you don't even have to apply for your, what is it, for your payoff. They'll just send it to you. Some of these people might be millionaires, some of them might be billionaires, some of them might be just wealthy people, some of them may not be. Is this morally acceptable to you? We've talked about this before. Two-thirds of the people in this country do not graduate from a college. People who go to college, as a statistical matter, as an aggregate group matter, make more money than those who did not. And yet the people who didn't go to college are also subsidizing those who did and who make more than they do. Why is a loan from, a, uh, from the federal government to go to college any different than any other loan? Are car loans going to be forgiven? Federal government going to pay for those? Mortgages going to be forgiven? Federal government going to pay for those? You can go down the list. This isn't based on need. This isn't a need-based decision. They just pissed away $25 billion because they think it's going to help them with the youth vote. I have a question maybe Mr. Producer can answer. What about people who are taking out loans next year, and the year after that, in the year after that? Are they going to be subsidized too, Mr. Producer? What about the people who've paid off their loans? Are they going to be subsidized too? What exactly is it that we're promoting and incentivizing here? Welfarism, even among the wealthy, even among the more educated, so to speak. And notice we're always subsidizing the colleges and universities. They're never asked to give up a damn thing. Why? These are the indoctrination mills for the Democrat Party. These are the indoctrination mills for CRT and the transgender ideology. These are the indoctrination mills for anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism. doesn't matter what it costs, does it? It's unbelievable. And where, may I ask, where does a president have the power with a magic wand to just abolish debt? Legal obligations that individuals have, adults. Where is it written that a president has the power? He doesn't have the constitutional power to make decisions like this. This is outrageous. And not a single damn report on this on television even brings that up. They don't even bring it up. Where's your authority for this, Mr. President? This is number 412 reason why this man should be impeached, ladies and gentlemen. And there's Kamala Harris smiling and agreeing that this should be done. Two impeachments.
0: Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin.
1: Peter Navarro is the former trade advisor to President Trump the January 6 committee subpoenaed a wide swath of information they demanded from him as well as his testimony as you know it's been my contention that that committee is basically a front for the Justice Department's criminal investigation which makes its activities utterly and completely unconstitutional, not because of reasons other people have been saying, but because of separation of powers. And when you're using a committee as a Trojan horse to stalk individuals or to try and find individuals and throw a very wide net hundreds and hundreds of interviews and so forth, and your purpose is really to provide that information to a federal grand jury or a U.S. attorney or the criminal division of the Justice Department. You are effectively violating the constitutional rights of individuals through the back door. And, of course, the media play along. Mark Meadows, Steve Bannon... Dan Scavino, and uh, Peter Navarro. All held in contempt of Congress. Two of whom have been indicted. Bannon and Navarro. Now here's the deal. Today, they picked up Navarro at an airport, and they put him in handcuffs and leg irons handcuffs and leg irons because they said he was an escape threat man 72 years old he's known all over the place he's no escape threat all they had to do is ask him to show up just to show up and here's all NBC news writes that in a court filing the government said it didn't want to warn navarro About the arrest ahead of time because it, quote, will give the defendant the opportunity to flee, tamper with witnesses or evidence, or take other steps to interfere with the criminal case. No, it wouldn't. They could tell them, his lawyers and him, that they want him to show up in the next six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. He's not some hardened criminal, he's not a mobster. You see the difference? Ladies and gentlemen, you see the difference of how a Republican is treated versus a Democrat? He was indicted on two counts of contempt of Congress, one for failing to provide papers, another for failing to provide testimony. Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress over fast and furious in which a border agent was murdered. Arming the drug cartels, remember? He was never charged with anything after he was held in contempt of Congress. He was never indicted. It was all laughed off. It was all a big joke. And Navarro called the House plan a panel a sham committee that is working in collusion with the White House. Certainly working in collusion with Meritless Garland. No question about that. Typically, the way these cases would be handled is that there would be a hearing. Not an arrest, a hearing, where a judge says, I want to know what Mr. Navarro's objections are, Mr. Attorney, and I want to hear what you on his behalf have to say, and the government as well. You don't start handcuffing people, putting them in leg irons, Arresting them. That's not how this is supposed to work. These are not criminals, ladies and gentlemen. These are political opponents. Political opponents. These are not criminals. And just because Congress sets up a committee and holds hearings doesn't mean that should be leading to necessarily subpoenas and indictments and handcuffs and leg irons. What's remarkable about all this is this isn't the first time. They're doing other things. Like they were getting phone records behind the backs of the individuals to get access, to listen into their calls, to get information about their calls without notifying them so they can't even get in front of a federal judge to raise objections. They can't even get in front of a federal judge to raise, raise objections. That's not how that's supposed to work. A committee of Congress is not supposed to be an appendage of any criminal investigation, and yet that's the purpose. They have announced it. They've said over and over again, their goal is to get Trump. In so many words. This is shocking. And of course, I don't know anybody else who's even willing to point this out, certainly not in the phony media, any so-called news platform, You've never seen any former Democrat working for a former Democrat president treated this way under any circumstances. Period. And now he faces prison time on each count, and he faces a $100,000 penalty in each count. During Friday's court hearing, Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi suggested to Navarro that he should be mindful about his public comments. Every time you speak, you could be putting yourself at risk, the judge said. That's right, because let the committee, which has all of its production efforts ready, which, as I read today in The Hill, is going to be holding hearings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prime time, insisting that the networks, rather than running their programming cover the hearings, just to make sure you folks are watching. Doesn't this demonstrate further what's going on here? They get a professional writer to write up what's taking place. They have nobody representing on that committee. The Republican side, the President's side, any of these people. At one point, Navarro told the judge he plans to ask that his civil suit be heard before the criminal case Against him can proceed. This is something that needs to get to the Supreme Court, he said. Navarro called the misdemeanor criminal charges a preemptive strike by the prosecution against his lawsuit, even though he was subpoenaed before he filed suit, says the article. And he's representing himself in the legal case. There was no reason, reason to indict him, there was no reason. To put him in shackles, leg irons, and handcuffs, other than to humiliate him, other than to send a message. There was no reason for this whatsoever. He's no flight risk. He's out today as I read this. For a flight risk, he wouldn't be out today, now would he? Really appalling what's going in here. So, contempt of Congress is punishable by up to a year in jail and a $100,000 fine per count. So he could spend a maximum of two years in jail and a $200,000 fine. Even though this committee is a front group, a front operation, in my humble opinion, for what the Department of Justice is doing. Now, a few other points. I told you about the hearing that they want to have at 8 p.m. It's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be all one-sided. It's professionally produced. House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol formalized its plans Thursday, told its first hearing during primetime. Committee staying mum about who its first witness will be, but announced it would kick off its slate of hearings during the 8 p.m. time slot on Thursday. Chair Benny Thompson, Democrat, Mississippi, has previously told reporters will be as many as eight hearings spread throughout the month, the month of June, as the committee wraps up more than 1,000 interviews and prepares to present its findings to the public. The prime time slot indicates the committee is eager to make a case to a broad audience, including many who watch the events unfold live on TV as rioters storm the Capitol. What do you think of that, folks? What do you think of that? Axios, one of the main recipients of the leaks. Blockbuster witness for January 6 hearings. Who would that be? Most of you never heard of the gentleman. I know him extremely well, although I haven't talked to him in years. J. Michael Ludig, a former federal judge and lawyer who advised former Vice President Mike Pence, is expected to testify in the January 6th Select Committee's public hearings this month. Axios has learned. The committee, which has until now been interviewing witnesses behind closed doors, revealed little about its plans for the public hearing set to begin next week. The desire to showcase Ludig, a judge lionized within the conservative legal movement, matches what sources have described as the committee's strategy to reach as broad an audience as possible, including conservatives. He was a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, and apparently he was behind the scenes a key advisor to Vice President Pence on what he could and couldn't do as the President of the Senate when it came to the counting of electors. Now. Ludwig was hated and detested by the Democrats, hated and detested by Biden and the others. He was often thought as a possible nominee to the United States Supreme Court. But it was also thought an impossible task to get him confirmed because of the Democrats. So according to this article, I have known nothing firsthand, just what I read, He will be their key witness to say that the election was fair and square, that the arguments that the Trump lawyers came up with were nonsense, and that Pence could do absolutely nothing. And in April, obviously, he wrote a piece in CNN op-ed. It was always and only about an election that Trump lost fair and square under legislatively promulgated election rules, and a handful of swing states that he and other republicans contend were unlawfully changed Now this is not the only area but a major area where mr ludig and i would have a significant disagreement is he absolutely unaware of what the supreme court of pennsylvania did is he absolutely unaware of what the governor of pennsylvania did is he absolutely under, unaware of what the Board of Elections did? That this is why Sam Alito, among others, wanted to take that case up? I mean, to say something like this demonstrates a complete lack of knowledge about what was taking place, or just a cave. Just a cave. The legislature of Pennsylvania did not change the laws that he's talking about. In one instance, it changed those laws in violation of its own constitution, which it also is not free to do. Two major cases brought to the Supreme Court where it appears two or three justices wanted to take it up, but the others did not. That's number one. Number two, I've spoken openly here about what I think the power of the vice president is and isn't. During that period of time, I explained what I felt. The more I studied it, the more it became clear to me, and I've explained this to millions and millions of you, in recent months even, the more it became clear to me well after the election, well after uh, the inauguration of Biden, but it became clear to me that the Constitution says nothing about it. That it's utterly and completely ambiguous. And that despite the best efforts, apparently, of Ludwig among them, to take the statute, the Electoral Count Act of 1887, and to try and use that as a definitive legal statement of that Congress in 1887, it's not the Constitution, but that Congress in 1887, to indicate that the President of the Senate, that is Pence, could do nothing, is also not clear at all. Now those are the facts. Let the chips fall where they may. Those are the facts.